Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I was so excited to sit down with Paula Pell. Uh, she is currently filming The Nest, which she wrote and is starring Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. She also has been writing for SNL for over 17 years. She wrote for 30 Rock and Bridesmaids and was a producer on This Is 40 and is a phenomenal actor. You can see her in Hudson City Ballers, which is a web series um, if you go online. And I just want to thank Joe's Pub, which is where we held the interview at the live taping. So I'm going to stop talking because our interview is so much fun that, yeah, I want to get to it too. Hi there! I have a new dress on and it's a little short for my winter thighs. I totally understand. The back might be a little unsightly, so I'm just being careful. What's the, the, I look like I have leg warmers on in the back. Hello! Oh, we're in the city. <laughs> That's right, because you live in Hudson Valley. I do. I, I moved out of the city full-time about five years ago, and I just commute to SNL when I do it, and I live up between Kingston and New Paul's. Anybody from that area? You got any pot? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we love it up there, and we even loved it so much that we did a web series this year and shot it at my house, and... Um, it's just a wonderful place to live, and it's super cheap. If anybody wants to, just don't don't go up there all at once. But is, but so did this is forty or SNL help pay for your horse? Um, no, I actually spent many years at an animal sanctuary volunteering for very sad sack horse situations. That if I wanted a horse, I could have gotten it for two dollars. But I proceeded to fall in love with the horse at the stable that was like some fancy show horse that they didn't want anymore. She actually cost money, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Buying a horse. But um, yes, I have a horse. I have not ridden her very much lately. But if I did, I'd walk out different in that dress, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I would have walked out like a stallion. Can we start at um, your earlier parts of your career? Sure. Are you okay with the photo of you? Oh, I think it's pretty nice. Okay, I like good. it. Okay, the good. blue glasses. It's all right. I like those glasses. It's, that's not my real hand, but that's just a <laughs> thing the photo studio had that's just mounted. It right was on Botox. The it was Botoxed in. <laughs> um, I, wanted, I wanted to start... Um, Early on in your career, I was sort of thrilled that you did bingo commercials or lottery commercials. I was anybody from Indiana or Arizona or Florida. I was a famous uh, celebrity in a lot of lottery commercials, and they kept adding different states to it. And I would go to the states and do campaigns. Like in Indiana, I would do the throw out the first ball at the Pacers game or whatever. And the bit was that I had a big bouffant as you can see and I sat in an organ and my name was Agnes and I would it was the scratch off tickets for bingo and I would sing B-I-N-G-O B-I-N-G-O and this guy who was like a celebrity in the state that was like a sportscaster would come up to the camera really close and go if you buy the tickets we'll stop Agnes from singing (laughs) and then they would do screwed up things to me like fall through a floor with my piano or I would get thrown out of a plane and stuff like that your, your bingo commercials inspired us. To, um, so if everyone wants to look under their tables and uh, chairs, see if they are a lucky lottery winner. Oh. Um, everyone look under their table and chairs. 
or under their boxes. <laughs> what, just some people have tickets under there? Oh. Yeah. What, what if you looked back up here and we were all gone? <laughs> we didn't have a closer, so we just... <laughs> oh, Chris Sullivan won. All right. Chris, do you have a birthday sounds, coming up? That sounds set up. I do, actually. <laughs> Here's your happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I hope it's a good one. You want to wait to open it on your birthday. That way, if it's good, I'll feel like I was a really good... This dollar is the most I've ever been paid for the show. <laughs> Here's your You're birthday welcome. present that might be useless and <laughs> yeah. with no value. Here, you can have my free drink coupon. Here you go. Oh, this shit. is, this like, is good, too. That. Okay, good. Um, I was very excited by those. And now, what was this this bingo now? You may hate the bingo, but you got a lot of Well, they it. just went is, crazy with it. It, really it was famous. like a radio campaign, TV campaign. And then the craziest thing was Indiana, the lottery people were big partiers. And so on St. Patrick's Day, I would have my own float and I would sing the song on a float with like speakers and a mic and then they would take me to all the bars in Indianapolis and actually just get drunk on green beer as Agnes and I would be up on the bar singing bingo and they were paying me for that. It was very bizarre. And I do have to say something really quick. One of the commercials for Halloween because I did quite a few a year and we did one with rats and they were trained rats, and I'm just a complete animal fanatic. And so the whole day I was just like, well, this is an old building. I mean, how do they know when the rats are going to get lost in a crack in the, you know, these are trained rats. They don't know how to survive on their own. And I was just really, really worrying about those. I was sweating the rats the whole day. And, um, and so at the end of the day, the guy was like super weird looking with like weird bangs. And he had rat, you know, rat insignia on his shirt. And no, no, like, no, I don't understand. No, they're fine, they're fine. And he said, we have a clicker and they know they love food and, you know. And so at the end of the day, he had six extra rats. <laughs> and so the, the guy in the commercial with me told that on a radio show, national radio show, and got in so much trouble because that building is like all food services and restaurants. And he was like, there are all these fucking rats in this building, it was hilarious. And he got in huge trouble, like almost his career was ruined by it, so. Wait, what is the rat insignia? Oh, he just had like, you know, Rats or Us, whatever his company <laughs> was, that he whores out animals for his own paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a stand on it. Oh, I'm always the one at SNL, anyone that writes a sketch that has animals, they always look at me and they're like, it's not a real horse. Like, they're always <laughs> ready for me to... To say, do we really need the animal in there because they're terrified in front of a live audience? Animals is a perfect segue for um, my question about you worked at um, Pleasure Island yes, um, in Disneyland. Yes, at, um, at the Adventurers Club at Pleasure Island. That's me down in the bottom there. Looks kind of like Agnes, the bingo lady. I was born at 50, so I played a lot of matrons <laughs> in my young years. In my 50s, I'm working towards real youthful sort of spring break looking girl but and so this is where Lauren Michaels discovered you um well I was a little past that I was working at Universal Studios at the murder she wrote post-production show and um so I yeah I did this for quite a few years it was fantastic it was really fun it was like nightclubs at Disney where you could improvise and be kind of dirty and we would sing cabarets and do comedy improv and stuff and I had such a great time. I still have great friends from there. They knocked the whole thing down now. It's like, I think, shopping. But um, it was super fun. And what we used to always do at Pleasure Island, because it was Pleasure Island, is there were bars they let us go to after work. So we would be dressed like that, and then we would meet 
usually foreigners, because I was going down Penis Avenue for two years in between my lesbianism. And I uh, dated mostly foreign guys <laughs> that were there for a month. And so I, um, we would meet. You had to date them for the whole month? I did, for the whole month. And nonstop. And um, couldn't sleep. And we would, we would end up, you know, flirting with guys, but we looked like that. And then we'd be like, where are you going after? Well, we'll meet you there. And then we'd blow dry our hair and look really like we were in our 20s, because we were. And then we'd go hook up with foreigners of uncertain health. How did you leave all of this? To go to the Murder, She Wrote. How did I leave it? Well, I went to Murder, She Wrote. I was kind of wanting to transition into maybe going to New York. I was trying to, you know, really miserable about, like, I'm spinning my wheels now. I've done this for a while. It was a great gig for a young actor. And then um, I had done a, a uh, sketch comedy uh, pilot that Disney produced called Chucklehead with a bunch of really great improv people. And I had done a couple things at their open mic nights where um, I played like a music director that was singing um, Led Zeppelin. So it was like, hey, hey, mama, say the way you move. And I would do this whole big thing. And so um, they asked me to put that on the pilot, and I did. And then one day I was just at Murder, She Wrote, and I got a call from my agent because I had done a lot of local stuff, like got beat up on America's Most Wanted and, you know, Third Coast stuff. Orlando's the Third Coast. And... Um, <laughs> And I, I uh, got a call, and she said, are you sitting down? Lauren Michaels saw the tape, and he wants you to come up. It's not an audition, because I had only been an actor for 30 years, and I was 30, and I thought it would, might be an audition, because he saw the tape of me, and he, they said, it's not an audition. I was like, is it an orgy? What is it? <laughs> and they, they just uh, had me come up there. I flew up. I was terrified. I was... Um, wearing the ugliest suit I've ever seen. When I look back on it, I don't know what I was thinking. It was truly baby shit brown. And I just started talking in the meeting, and I just kind of rose above my body and at one point went, I'm really not as boring as this. I'm really, like, watching myself talk to you in, in a vortex. And um, it is, it, I imagine, though, was it terrifying? It was, but, you know, Lauren, when he, when he interviews, he, he's such a... He's such a a great person and I, he has such a persona that people tease about and on camera and everything but he's just truly a gracious wonderful person but when you don't know him and you sit down with him it always sounds like you've met him gone to the bathroom and then come back <laughs> so you kind of think you blacked out in the first section because he'll just be like and the thing about it is that you know the phoenix is going to rise again from the ashes and you're like I didn't even introduce myself. <laughs> it's just a very weird, um, weird interview. So, um, yeah, so it's almost been 20 years, actually, and uh, it's been my family and my life, but a couple years ago, I just, I really needed to pass the baton, so now I do about six shows a year. Okay. Yeah, and I kind of figure out what, what area, you know, what area of the season that I can... I'm kind of finally doing what I dreamt of being able to do, which is kind of decide when I'm coming and stuff like that, yeah. I wanted to show one of my favorite clips from it. Is that cool to show the, the video from... Um, I'm just going to show one SNL. Do you suffer from inexplicable anxiety? Are you confused and upset? Do you have an overwhelming feeling that you've done something wrong? You can't control whether he is or isn't, but you can control how it affects you. Homocil can provide relief from parental anxiety disorder. Homocil can help. 
you obsess about things you can't change, if you are unable to cope with unforeseen developments, if you avoid prolonged contact with your children due to these overwhelming anxieties, Taken regularly, Homosil dramatically decreases parental anxiety. Homosil. Until you come around. Because it's your problem, not theirs. Oh, that looks so old now. Doesn't I know, but it resonates so much. Well, it's funny because that's the reason I came out at SNL finally because uh, we kept having all these meetings and my friend James Anderson, who's written pretty much everything Kristen Wiig's ever done on the show, was my roommate in college and that's who I did Hudson Valley Ballers with. And with The web series. Yes, the web series with my friend Michelle up back there who shot it and co-created it with us, Michelle Lawler. She's a great cinematographer. And so we, we did that and... Uh, and, you know, he and I worked on that commercial, and then we kept going to these meetings where everyone was like, I just think we're going to get a lot of flack, a lot of, a lot of shit from the gay community. <laughs> I just kept sitting there going, it's the most pro-gay thing you could ever, like, you're basically saying it's the parents, if they need to take a pill, take a pill. But if your kid's who your kid is, you know, and it ended up being on the GLAAD Awards and everything, but, like, boy, we almost didn't show it because at that time it was really the cusp of doing gay material that, you know... It, it was that era where even mentioning gay would be like, oh, are we being homophobic? And it's like, no, it depends on what you're saying. It's a very clear message at the end, too. I mean, yeah. it says it's your problem, not theirs. Yeah, so... And, and all those kids were fabulous uh, Broadway kids, and they just came in and they're like... <laughs> Who wants Cumberland? They were just the cutest theater kids ever, and um, so it was really a joy. Holy I, moly! I just wanted to show some pictures from. It, it really does seem like the most fun job in the world. I know that uh, the stress of being there, you know, seven, six days a week. Yeah, is it's exhausting. very, very uh, high, high adrenaline, uh, crazy like between dress and air having 10 minutes to put a whole new ending on a sketch where you're with the cue card guy and your hands shaking you know and you're like no cut, cut that part it doesn't make sense anymore you know that kind of crazy like broadcast news sort of craziness and I think a few years ago I'm 51 and I got to a point where I was like I can't do the shit anymore <laughs> just because the the amount of adrenaline that you would you know there's it, no other show like it where you sleep I mean you sleep there on Tuesday nights. yeah or? Tuesday nights you do a very unnecessary all-nighter but it's just been the tradition since I've been there and since it started where everyone stays all night and it's just insane and for years and years I I did it for years and years where I would be the last one there. I would be like the final person there. And I'd get in, I actually came home one time from doing an all-nighter and I had one of my cats, I had to take over to get a sonogram and hunker down, this is a long story. Um, <laughs> and uh, they thought it was a tumor. So, no, no so we, I went to get the, I went to get the sonogram and I walked into the, to, um, uh, Cafe Lalo, which is on 83rd Street, and like um, you've got mail. They did a scene in that and everything. 
and I brought my cat carrier because I, I did the sonogram and then I was like, I, I'm going to bed, but I got, I've got to eat something. I've got to have a bagel or something. And so I went in Cafe Lalo. It's all fancy little French pastries. And I had this long-haired cat in this carrier and I laid it down. I was super tired, super delirious. And I just was ordering and I heard zip, 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 zip. And I looked and my cat came out and went behind the counter with all the desserts and started walking and its tail was going like this. And all I could do, and it's still a running joke at SNL, all I could do was go, my cat. I didn't move, I didn't try to catch it. I was like, is there in the hole in the walls probably? But my cat is there now. I just really had a stroke and not that strokes are funny, but that was a sleep sleep deprived. And that picture is from a party after the Emmy Awards where I had a dress that went down like this. And I will proudly say to you that after a few drinks, I took one of my boobs out (laughs) and those ladies kept coming back and putting my boob back in. (laughs) So that's where, that's where my ability to, to drink how did shows through. So, were you also writing for Thirty Rock at the same time? No, as I left uh, the first time I left. I went to do a sitcom in LA for a year, back like eight years ago, nine years ago, and then I came back after a year. Um, and when that went down the shitter, and then when uh, and then I came back, and uh, Tina was in the fourth season of Thirty Rock, and she said, "You know, why don't you come?" She knew I was really wanting to do something else. It's a very hard place to leave. It's Lauren is one of the most loyal people. If you're loyal to him, he'll be loyal to you till you're 90. He does not age. He and I have just gotten to the same age now. But um, he stopped. He looks super good, and I'm I'm just about at Looking his place beautiful. now. Yeah. yeah. And um, but uh, yeah, I just <clears throat> she said come here for a year. The schedule is really hard and um, really crazy. But at 30 tired. Rock. At 30 Rock. Why was the schedule crazy there? Just too? because they had, you know, those sick. Those sitcoms, it's like 24 episodes, and then you're doing, like, you're editing one while you're doing another one. You're breaking the story for the other one, and then you're shooting two at the same time. I mean, it was just nuts. And so um, I did it for a year, and I really, really loved it, loved the people. And then I was just like, I am happy with what I did, (laughs) and I am not going to be doing this schedule anymore. And, um, you know, with SNL, he really believes that comedy comes from when you go live your life. So the breaks, even though you have these crazy stretches of time where you don't even sleep and you work so crazy and you're so exhausted, when you have a break, there's nothing going on. So the office isn't open. You know, there's like one person there to take calls, but everyone leaves. So you can really, truly unplug. And when I did a sitcom out in L.A., I looked at the you know the schedule after months and months of working and and it said hiatus and I was like oh I can't wait for that hiatus and they were like um that's just for the actors <laughs> the writers and the producers are all here non-stop you know so um of course you know I'm so grateful for any of these jobs I'm not complaining about these any of the schedules of these jobs I've worked many jobs that had far shittier schedules um, let's let's um, talk about what you're doing now, and I want to talk about it by starting going way back because you've transitioned now to, to mainly doing films. Yes. Um, and one of the inspirations for the film you're working on, you brought this evening, um, I did. and it's one of your earliest works. Yes. Um, and I wanted you to read from it before <laughs> this, you published First of it. all, looks like I got it from the Smithsonian, and I should have white gloves on showing you this, but this is my 13-year-old journal. 
and I was obsessed with Rocky. <laughs> like, thoroughly obsessed. I saw it 15 times in the theater. There were no VCRs, thank you very much. Um, it was 1977, and this sort of became something at SNL where everyone quote, you know, quoted it because I'd read it to them all the time, and... Um, when Sylvester Stallone hosted, they wanted me to come on update and read it to him. <laughs> but I chickened out because I'd only been there two years. But we kept talking about these journals because my sister and I, my sister was a stone-cold 70s fox. She was tall with the naturally blonde, highlighted, you know, brown blonde hair. Just like us. And I looked like a, <laughs> I looked like a Polish farm maid. And I was just like, <laughs> sturdy and, you know. And my sister was just so foxy, and so the boys went crazy for her always. So her journal was always, she was three years older, and hers was always like, I was supposed to go camping with mom and dad, but I told them I stayed at Christie's, but I really stayed at Bill's. <laughs> and then she's like, P.S., I think I might be pregnant. <laughs> and then mine was, I changed the grid on my rock tumbler today. <laughs> And the amethyst is really looking up. I'm going to make a bolo tie out of it. I really, really enjoy And I use the word shall a lot and shit like that. So we kept trying to figure out, is this a little Broadway show? Is this, you know, and I kept, I would bring this to meetings all the time. If I ever had a meeting with someone, you know, what should I do with this? And um, one day my agent, we were talking about movie ideas and I was wanting to write my first feature um, at a very late age. And she said, that's, that's the movie right there, those two sisters. And so I wrote it four years ago. We've been developing it for four years, believe it or not. That's how long you develop a, mo a big movie like that. And, um, and now Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are, we start June 9th, but we're in rehearsals now with it. And they're going to play the sisters. Yeah. So movie development is actually 50 years. It's the craziest thing. And I know it isn't when, when it's, you know, I'm, I would love to do all different kinds of movies because I just happened on my first movie to do something with Tina producing it. And so it became a universal movie, a big movie. And those really take so much time. It's crazy. I mean, when I worked on Bridesmaids, it they had worked on it for seven years, I think, something like that. And it just really gets crazy after a while because you're like, I can only rewrite this script so many times and then it's just gibberish. Wait, that's so depressing that even with Tina Fey attached that it took yeah, so long. It's yeah, just, it's just the way it is. And then, um, and we finally got our official green light last night and I was so glad because I wanted to be able to talk about it. But then we have like a production office with a bunch of people working on it and designing and it's like, when... I just keep asking. I'm like, when do we actually get told we're doing, we're making this? Because there's hundreds of people working on it. But um, let me just read you like a couple super quick quotes. Um, now I'll talk about making out. <laughs> making out is the big thing at St. Ray's. If you have a boyfriend, you're expected to make out with him right away. I've never made out, but I almost did once. It was with Sean Reardon. The farthest we got was holding hands. Real thrill. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't because he was, as I found out later, a first-class creep. Um, this is when I first saw Rocky. Well, I have a new love. He is an absolute, positively complete, super-fantastic fox. His name is Sylvester Stallone, also known as Sly. He is the star of all stars in the movie Rocky, which is an excellent flick. Laura Berkey is sleeping over and I think we're having fun and then the next morning it says well we had fun and now I have a bad cold and Laura thinks she has one too 
And then one last one I just want to show you is um, one of my favorite parts of this journal, which is called Melting Pot. And it's like really orderly graffiti that I wrote. It's very nice handwriting. Yeah. And one of them says, I tend to worship the rebel types. <laughs> I'm not really going along with the clicks ideas and don't intend to. Depression hasn't been frequent for months. <laughs> And one of everyone's favorites, black guys appeal to me a lot. <laughs> oppression, oppression, young woman. What's up? What's you, were, up? you were very What's wise. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, there's, there's some real good things in your, in your 13-year-old brain. I, I just truly was a very dramatic child. I was a class clown, but I, was all, I felt things very deeply, and I did use the word shall a lot, so we're putting that in. <laughs> Amy's playing that character, and Tina's playing the more wild, wilder-ass one. So It's called uh, the, the Nest. Nest. It's probably going to end up changing titles, but um, they'll, you know, we'll, along the way probably, because they... They have wanted to change it, so we're not sure exactly what it's going to be called. But right now, it's called the nest. Now, another thing you love to do is is um, be with animals. Yes. So I just wanted to show um, that you, if you, if you were to do something else, you could be a pig whisperer. Yes, I, I actually worked. Show this. I worked as a pig whisperer at the sanctuary I worked at. Um, I would. They bring in these really messed up potbelly pigs. What, what is the difference between a messed up pot belly pig and a normal pot belly pig? Um, they're just terrified of people because they've been, you know, kicked around. And so they brought, um, these two were very friendly, happy ones, but somebody brought, drove up in like a moving truck that was 200 degrees and just dumped them. But um, they were super sweet. But there was one, there were many of them that were really messed up and they would bring them in. They'd always call me in because I, they called me the pig whisperer and what I would do is get a um, comforter and go lay in the stall with them and then I would sing them this song gonna ride that little white piggy down to sleepy town down to sleepy town and I would do that over and over again and I would just they wouldn't want me to touch them but I just do things like just brush my hand like that I'm glad that I'm hand. playing the role of the yeah pig. you're the pig <laughs> you be the pig and I just do that, and Method then, acting. and I, and I am not kidding you. For anyone that's never been around pigs, I would be doing that day after day, and after a few days, they would get a really crazy look in their face, and they would go for you to tickle their stomach like a dog, and they would fall over when you sang. Whenever you'd sing it, it's the, they're just like dogs. They chase balls, and they're amazing. And we'll never know if it's because the singing was so good. <laughs> Yeah, I love animals. I have I have some great animals, and we actually I have a horse, three cats, and two dogs. And one of my dogs was in our web series. Um, he's a beagle basset. Oh, Pat, I love the truth. William. Beagle. Yeah, we called him the truth basset. And James and I in the web series pass him back and forth and say things. You have to hold the basset. You have to tell the truth. So he'd be like, um, "Your hair is too long for your age." And then he passed. And then he passed it to me, and I'd hold the basset, and I'm like, "If you get any more Botox, you'll look like a CPR dummy." <laughs> and so we just did them back and forth like that. The truth, basset. Um, well, I want you to continue your work with animals, but I did get you this um, nice Scotch Bright um, for when you go to your good. fancy meetings that's and when good. you go for all your my cat. <laughs> um, Paula Pell, you are a brilliant writer, Thank a beautiful actress, much. and I am thrilled to have you Thank here. You Thank you very you much. So, you guys so much. Are great. 
That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you to Ian Mazoff. Thank you to all of you for listening. Please go to the Employee of the Month show website and donate, get involved. You can nominate people. You can tweet at me at Katie Lazarus. Hopefully nice things. Uh, Yeah, either way, have a good one and I'll talk to you soon. 